0: to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. I've been with Cherryland for just a little over five years, and even in that short amount of time, we've added a lot of new employees, mostly as uh, a significant amount of our employees are retiring. And I don't think our cooperative is, is alone in this. Our cooperative, like many companies, is facing a significant generational shift in staffing as baby boomers retire and millennials and generation... Xers, are replacing them. And at Cherryland, we really pride ourselves on being a premier employer in our community. But this generational shift is offering us interesting opportunities to change what it means to be a premier employer in our community. And it raises interesting questions about what aspects of our current co-op culture and value system really align well with the next generation of employees, and also um, what other areas we might need to attend to to attract and retain good employees. So joining me today to discuss that important topic are four of my colleagues here at Cherryland. As always, my trusty sidekick, Mr. Tony Anderson. Good afternoon. Hi, Tony. Uh, Carrie Kelflisch is our HR manager here at Cherryland. Hey, Carrie. Hi. And she's obviously the one who's attracting and helping to retain (laughs) all those people. And then two of our, um, I don't want to say new, you both have been here for a while, but... You you would be a part of the generation that I'm saying is replacing our retiring generation. Uh, That
1: means you and I would be part of the baby boomer (laughs) (laughs) generation. Well, I don't want to
0: say it that way, but since you called it out.
1: And since listeners can't see. So
0: So our token (laughs) baby boomer is Tony Anderson. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But also joining us to talk uh, today are Jeff Puffer, a meter tech in our metering department. Hey, Jeff.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: How long have you been at Cherryland?
2: Just under three years. Okay,
0: just under three years. And Nicole Vanover, who is a member information information rep. Hello, happy to be here. How long have you been here? Um,
3: I
4: believe just under three years as
0: well. Okay, awesome. So we picked right. We've got a, a good mix here. How long have you been here, Carrie?
4: A little over eight years. Okay, good. Okay. And let it be known that I hired all four or all three of you, not Tony, but who was responsible for you? Yes.
0: Okay. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. So you're welcome. <laughs> so that's either a good thing or a bad thing, probably depending on your perspective on some of us, but hopefully, hopefully, mo- mostly good. It's well, not my...
1: necessary to mention who hired Carrie. It's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so now that we've all taken credit for all that we've done, um, I thought to just, uh, just, I think to step back from this and start from a traditional space, the kind of traditional logic has it that pay and benefits are what attract people to an organization and keep them there. So I would be interested in hearing from you all, one, is that still true? And and then I guess, has it ever, was it always true? Feel free to jump in. Carrie, you want to kick us off on that one?
4: Yeah. I, I like to think that that's kind of been a myth or... At least an um, employer misperception. Um, I, I I really truly think that what really most of us are looking for, whether we're baby boomers or millennials, we're looking for making an impact. We're looking to be valued. You know, we're looking for a place that we can call home. Mm-hmm.
2: And I can attest to that too. I, I personally took an initial small pay cut to come here for for those reasons. And uh, you know, for me, the the deciding factor was the culture. Um, and the time and location, you know, that kind of factor were the big factors into, uh, making a decision to come here.
3: Mm-hmm. I definitely think that those things are still important. I mean, everybody, you seek a job for those reasons. So those don't go away. But I think that we're definitely kind of making a transition to where people are thinking about where I'm going to be happy in a, nec- you know, the next number of years, um, kind of in conjunction with, you know, paying benefits.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think... Pay and benefits has a has still has a place. People we are. We would expect that are, out of you, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course. I'm, I'm the oldest guy in the room. <laughs> but the guys still got to eat, right? So I, I think we look for pay and benefits, and then we look for a mission. I, I think they're together. Different ages, different groups might prioritize one over the other, but mm-hmm. I, I think they're related because nobody's going to care about the mission for five bucks an hour. I'm sorry, but.
0: Well, and yeah, and maybe the other way to think about it is it's more of like a, a desired quality of life thing. So I need a certain amount of pay to be able to mm-hmm. have the quality of life I want. But then once I get to there, then I start asking questions of, does my commute enable me to have the time at home I want? Does this culture feel like I'm having the right social impact? Mm-hmm. You know, and those kinds of things. But if you can't get to that baseline mm-hmm. with pay, then maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the other, I don't know. Because then we also, you also see people who take job, jobs making not a lot of money, because mm-hmm. they believe so deeply in what they're doing.
1: true. Well, and true. certainly
0: you could you
3: could start a job and make you know x amount of dollars at, at any given place, but there's still something that brings you to that particular job. It's something that's keeping you there. And I mean, you have to kind of think about that when you're accepting a job also. Yeah
1: I was wondering, Jeff, did you make up the the wages you lost in the last three years?
2: Yes, I did. It, it, with the structure here, it, it was fairly quick. And the opportunities were there too, as well. Okay. So I think we're going to get into that a little bit later. But you know, <clears throat> having having the structure that Cheerland has, and and uh, it, it was it was a real quick process to get where I was at. So,
0: mm-hmm. well, and and maybe the maybe I asked the question the wrong way too, because maybe the opposite answer. It's more something like this: I wouldn't go somewhere where I made no money and hated what I did. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. Um, okay. So w- clearly, p- we think pay and benefits are important, but not perhaps the single deciding factor in terms of employee uh, attraction and retention. Yeah,
1: it's, a, it's a clear combination for me.
0: Was it, you kind of hinted at this, that it, maybe it's a myth that it ever was, but mm-hmm. how do we get, you know, there's this traditional mindset of, I provide you a pension and a living wage and you stay for 45 years and then you retire. Yeah. It, but, but was that wrong? Is it different now? It, it was what it was.
4: You know, in the baby boomer generation, it's not, not unlike the fact that, you know, management styles were so different, Mm -hmm. you know, it was command and control. It wasn't coaching and developing and, you know,
0: it's just a matter of everything evolving, this whole culture shift essentially in, Mm -hmm. in what people expect in the workplace. Yeah. So, and Carrie, maybe you can talk to this a little, when we hire now, I know that we, I mean, clearly there are certain skill sets we need given the technical nature of our job, but a lot of times we say we can train the skill set. We're really hiring for culture fit. Mm -hmm. How has that shifted in your time, over your years of recruiting and what, what kind of, what kind, what is, what is the culture of Cherryland in terms of finding that right fit? Hmm.
4: Well, um, Put you on the spot. we definitely do hire for culture fit. I could point to two or three people right now that we brought on who were not prepared for the position skill wise,
0: but they fit in culture wise. And we I don't knew. think she means she could point to two or three people in this room, just to be clear. No, <laughs> well, I mean, at least one, yeah, at least
1: one. <laughs> no skills and no fit whatsoever, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
4: Um, but no, we, um, that's the first thing we look for is the culture fit. And then we look, do they have the skill set? Do they have the potential? And, um, then we've had, we have some interesting stories of some people that work here that we hired, you know, we went out on a limb because they, we knew they were going to fit well and they're rock stars. Mm-hmm. So. so how,
0: how would, how would you describe the culture at Cherryland?
2: You know, on the flip side of what Carrie said, when I was on, you know, working for the utility prior to this the reputation of not just Cherryland, but the employees out in the field, you know, the linemen, the crew leaders, um, that spoke for itself when I was doing my research. And I think, you know, when HR is looking for that culture fit and you get people that hear of that and see that in action, they go seeking that out as well. So, and, and that was kind of my case, you know, when I was doing my research to, to come here.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Essentially, you want to work with people you respect and who you feel that working with them will be one fits with who you how you want to be perceived, but also potentially for me has the potential to make me better by working with people who are great at their jobs and, you know, doing good things. Yeah.
2: And, and, and you know, you you talk a culture, you talk, a you know, a person that wants to do more than just collect a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that you, know, you go looking and seeking that and, you know, you can find that and in doing your research and and talking to some people here at Cherryland for an example, you know, that I, I found that. And I think, you know, when HR is on their side, trying to create that culture and, and maintain and take that to the next level, I think the next generation coming in, looking for that, you know, it's going to be easier for them to find that.
3: Well, certainly, I mean, I can attest to that as well. Um, I have a background that's not in electrical utilities and while I loved so many parts of previous positions that I've had at other places, you still want to feel fulfilled. You still want to feel like you're making an impact and that um, somebody recognizes what you're doing and that you have a part in everything. And I think Cherryland specifically does a really great job at making its employees feel as if we're a part of a, a bigger picture and that we all are kind of the missing puzzle piece. And that's not so that's something that people don't get at other jobs and i think that cherryland would kind of pull us here for
2: right i agree with that
0: and it's just a matter of hiring people for whom that's a value not something mm-hmm. they're looking for because then because not all employers mm-hmm. can provide that then you you have that that nice fit between mm-hmm. expectation and, mm-hmm. and what we're able to offer mm-hmm.
2: just to add to that you know when i was asked to do this podcast i ran into a, a young man that just graduated line school and i asked him i just you know i said you know i'm going on the podcast quick quick question for you here you know what are you looking for an employer you know set benefits aside you know pay aside and he went right to he wants to go to work and you know have that camaraderie that family that culture you know that they were talking about here and you know he was 20 years old Mm -hmm. so I mean, it's a real thing, yeah. and I it think helps. it's something that needs to be discussed, and you know, everybody kind of yeah. has their own definition of culture, but... Yeah.
1: It's a real thing at the top, too. In, in my position, it's really cool to come to work and have people who get it all the time. You know, it, it makes my job more enjoyable. I can always resort, resort to uh, command and control, but I don't have to. <laughs> It's nice that I don't have to, so it, it it's a two way street, you know, yeah. the, the leadership kind of creates the culture, but when the employees pick up on the culture, you just feed off each other Yeah, and it's, it's a great to come to work.
0: One of the things I really like about our culture here is I feel like we have a culture of innovation. And I think that like people loving what they do and being excited about it causes them to be really creative. And I, I my office kind of sits in a, a somewhat busy corridor. And so I get to overhear all these people brainstorming, like super technical, geeky stuff and coming up with these amazing, cool new ways we can do things. And I think, I think all that feeds into that. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. it makes, makes my job really easy. Cause I just come to work and.
1: But it makes you want to be creative in your job yes, too. Yes, absolutely. Cause mm-hmm. it, absolutely. it does in my job yep. as well. Like, I, I walk around and I hear him chattering mm-hmm. stuff too. And it's like, I got to keep up,
0: yep. I gotta keep up I'm trying <laughs> to keep up with my employees. Yeah. yeah,
1: we're doing good stuff.
0: Yeah. So Nicole, I want to go back to something you talked about. You talked about, um. Kind of feeling like you're part of an organization that's having a social impact, or, mm-hmm. or or this concept of social responsibility, which you kind of hear being a really important core value for millennials. Um, I'm I don't know if I'm a millennial or Generation X. I think I'm kind of a bridge, mm-hmm. but I, I for me, I also think it's important. So, what are the ways that you feel that what we do help? It kind of aligns itself well with what people are looking for in terms of thinking they're making a social impact.
3: I think Cherryland does a phenomenal job at kind of just instilling. That there's a bigger picture out there and that, you know, we try to be member focused, but we have that at the forefront of everything that we're doing, whether it be just, um, you know, community service or whether it, however we choose to go about that. I think we have a, you know, it's, it's in our mission statement. And I think that the employees here really try to focus on that as well. So I think we do a really good job of just making ourselves active members of the community and trying to just better the lives of others in whatever way we can at that moment
1: and I would I would agree with that you know 15 years ago we kind of we labored over well we're gonna do this community service thing who's gonna show up well hardly anybody's gonna show up and now I don't lose any sleep over community service projects because if Jeff doesn't show up for this project he's gonna do this project we have so much of that going on that Everybody's able to pick their spot mm-hmm. as far as community service goes, and we have a good number of people doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's
2: the two biggest things that I noticed too when I first started working here is there's so many different avenues. You know, That's what you I'm can saying, yeah, yeah it, just just to have, I mean that that was a big thing that stuck out. So you really didn't have an excuse not to do it if if you didn't want to do road cleanup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that really stuck out to me was you know if you're gonna do it, the expectations are go get after it, you know, get involved. Don't just show up. Don't just make an appearance. If you're going to do something, do it, you know.
3: And I think adding to that too, just that there are so many avenues. It's that if for this generation, generation, people can really look at, this is what I'm passionate about in my life. And within Cherryland, you can find something that kind of fits that nook within your own heart and, you know, kind of ride it out within Cherryland as well. And it's supported.
0: And by the organization,
4: That's, I mean, we have every one of our managers is on a board, if um, not more well, than one board. Two, yeah. um, we have how many people that are big brothers or big sisters, and you know everybody's involved in something, and it may not be through the cooperative. It might be coaching or it might be through their church. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of a mentality that we foster, and those are the kind of people that are attracted to, mm-hmm. to the co-op.
0: Yeah, and one of the um, – so. F- One of, for me, the happy consequences of Cherryland's orientation towards the community and how it enables me to be more involved in the community is it's helped me create really deep connections to an area I'm not from. Mm. And I didn't, I've moved a lot. I've lived a lot of places. I didn't realize how much I was missing that until I got to be somewhere that fostered that. And now, I mean, that makes me even more loyal to Cherryland because Cherryland has helped me create a different relationship with my community a place that I I'm not from but I really now feel deeply connected to which is mm-hmm. which is cool mm-hmm. um, you know a, a little shift here but another piece in terms of social impact and value system that I think resonates well with younger generations is the fact that we're not for profit and that we're a cooperative i know i know that for me that really was something that very quickly I, I, I lo- I, th- I think what we do in terms of providing electricity is incredibly important and valuable. I love the fact that we're doing it as a not-for-profit mm-hmm. cooperative. So it was that kind of that, that little extra thing that that made me feel really inspired by what we do, and, I, and mm-hmm. I I think that resonates. Yeah, there's a skepticism towards
2: profit. Yeah, I think that's something too that could probably uh, use a little bit more uh, publicity, a little bit more get out to the public to the younger generation exactly what that cooperative model is and, and how it's structured because I, personally I, I really didn't have a good grasp of it mm-hmm. and like you know once I did learn and, and went through some of the the, the learning uh, on, on cooperative model it was it was interesting and I, and I took the same feelings you you just described it was kind of cool to work for that type of Uh, of modeled if you want to call it that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and we're not an electric co-op that has a market on community service there's electric co-ops all across the country that all do a great job with community service this is my fifth uh, electric co-op job in 30 some years too many years to remember and they were all active in in the community to the point where i came here and i'm like there's nobody on the fire department there's nobody on the ambulance (laughs) service it's like so we, we had to pick that up, and we, we have, and mm-hmm. it's been 15 good years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, Jeff, about having to be educated into the model, I think that's an interesting um, challenge we constantly have to meet, which is a lot of people come to us from a technical background, right? They, they got into line work because they were attracted to the technical aspects of it. They got into metering because they were attracted to the technical aspects of it and 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 taking those employees and helping them come to better understand our business model what it means and what and how it really does kind of change who we are and how we even think about making technical decisions right and it financial really decisions
2: it really does I mean uh, any conversation that you you're involved in you know, you know any ideas any brainstorming you know you can it, the foundations laid right, right in the uh mission statement you know and just go back to that mm-hmm. and if you can't say yes to those four you know, points in that mission statement, then, then it's not an option. I mean, it makes things a lot clearer and a lot easier to do. You know, you're not dealing with the profit and the, mm-hmm. you know, the other things that you may not see or, or sometimes that, in, in, in the corporate world anyway.
3: Mm-hmm. It, it kind of puts a feel good feeling in your heart, knowing that you're working for a co-op, co-op and that you're not seeking those things, especially being on the phones here um, I mean, I'm communicating with members, but those are, you know, people in the community as well. And that's our image and people who could potentially be working for Cherryland in the future. And just helping to educate people about what, a, what it means to be a member of the co-op is incredible. Um, it, just, it just makes you feel good.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, too, you know, the good news is that the cooperative model is aligned so well with what millennials are looking for. You know, when you think about it, the member focus and giving back to the community and family orientation, you know, those are all things that that millennials are looking for and that's who we are. Mm
1: -hmm. You don't think baby boomers look for those things when they were 25?
4: I do, but I'm just barely a baby baby boomer, so. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's not going to call me a liar on the podcast. (laughs) Not going to touch that one. I I thought you were Generation X, Carrie. I don't even know what he's talking about. (laughs) Uh, so a little shift here. Um, we are a very lean organization. We serve about 600 meters per employee. Uh, fun fact that makes us one of the leanest co-ops in the country in case you're paying attention at home. Uh, a positive consequence of that is clearly that we're able to keep our costs down for our members from an employee perspective. It also means we all get to do a lot of meaningful work because we are, Kind of working on several different areas and being, and it's expected of us to do a lot of different things. Uh, but one of the challenges it represents is that because we are so lean, there's not always a lot of uh, immediate opportunity for upward mobility and i'm interested in hearing kind of one how we from an hr perspective like what do we how do we approach that because we know in general people want mobility or they want advancement and they want growth and then also to kind of hear from um nicole and jeff about how how you think through what those things look like for you here so you want to start carrie yeah um i think that
4: um, what we really need to do is concentrate on developing people professionally and personally we may not have necessarily a titled position that we can promote them into but we can enrich their jobs we can continue to develop them and teach them new skills and allow them to progress probably most likely financially Mm -hmm. they may not get a new title or a management position right away but you know they're gonna get they're gonna get rewarded for for their development
2: and you know I think with that too it carries on into other things I coached a lot uh, high school sports and youth sports and you know, in any organization that you get into, to have an an opportunity to learn some skills, you know, and take them and apply them in other areas of your life, that's, I mean, that's a bonus too, especially the old, I think when you're younger, you don't think as much of, you know, where, you know, the climbing ladder of success or this is where I wanna be, but as you get older, things start changing. And, um, you know, so, just having that opportunity to prepare yourself when those changes come, mm-hmm. or if you find yourself outside of work being in a situation where you can apply what mm-hmm. opportunities you were given. So
3: certainly, and by no means do I feel like I'm the spokesperson for my generation, but <laughs> you are now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of scary, but um, I mean, I agree with that. Definitely, people want to feel as if we're ma- like we're making a difference, and that we have a part in the bigger picture of things. And so just like you're talking about with coaching, I think Ger- Cherryland does a, a phenomenal job of helping us to feel like we can always seek greater opportunities. And not only that, but I've been approached too just to find out you know, what would you like to do within Cherryland, whether that be a different position here in the future, whether that be developing a new skill set um, that you can apply right now. There's, there's constant attention put on becoming a better you know employee better person and just feeling better about what you're doing within the co-op
4: and you know as an organization i think we we realize that we may very well be developing people for a future position away from our co-op but that's a risk that we're willing to take to make sure that our people are developed Mm -hmm. and learning and happy in their positions
1: that's an absolute risk we're willing to take every every time carrie brings me some new young kid that's a rock star i'm like how what are we going to do to keep them for the next 10 years? Because we do have limited opportunities, but we, we, we need to focus on the leadership training and keeping them engaged. Cause again, I'm the guy who's this is my fifth stop in 34 years. I did the math in my head <laughs> and the other four I left because I was bored. Mm-hmm. So I know people, you can talk about community, you can talk about pay, but if they're not engaged at work and busy at work, they're going to cut and run because they want to be fulfilled. Yeah. And so we, we focus on that. Carrie does a good job of that, and I'm very supportive of, of that because we've got to maintain the talent we have for as long as we can. But if one does leave, then that says a lot about an organization as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, that points back to the kind of the ways we've, we allow for innovation and, and creativity so people do constantly mm-hmm. feel challenged. I think our – Got to feed the our, beast co-op network also creates uh, opportunities for our employees, even while they still stay here, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's going to conferences, working on a unique project with one of our, our Clara, our metering partner, or NISC, our um, customer information system partner, like those kinds of things create opportunities for our employees to do really challenging, meaningful work, much, much bigger than the scope of just what we're doing right here, but also um, Mm -hmm. hopefully keep them engaged here. I wanted yep. to add what to, to uh to what Tony said, but
3: um I feel like it would be really hard, honestly, to grow bored at Cherryland, having <laughs> been at other places. It's Fifteen years and counting. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I've worked at other you know different places in the past, and it's easy to grow bored, and you see other people growing bored, and you can mm-hmm. even if somebody hasn't identified it within themselves, you can often identify it in your coworker. Oh yeah. And that you just don't see that here because there's so much focus put on personal growth and you know, team growth and it everything just kind of, there's a focus of it seeming like a family and we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And it's that focus on innovation and wanting to truly become better and not just do your job and then leave.
4: Yeah. And, and people see that at the organizational level, all that innovation. And they, they realize that that's
0: supported at the personal level as well. And so mm-hmm. it encourages it. Mm-hmm. And I think we do a good job of not, um, not siloing our employees or, or putting them in a box and saying, well, you, you can't work on that because you work in member services or you can't work on that because you're right. We, we have all just so much cross pollinate, pollinization. Mm-hmm. If people are interested in, you know, what, if you care, if you have a great idea about metering, let's sit down, let's get Jeff in the room and we'll, we'll talk through it. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that in some ways our leanness yeah. is an advantage mm-hmm. with that because it, it allows people to work across all different Yeah, areas no, Nobody
1: work. gets put in the corner. No,
0: nope. Dirty dancing at its finest. Um, okay, so we only have a couple more minutes, but there is one one thing I wanted to talk really briefly about, and that is um, flexibility. So one of the things that we consistently hear is that millennials want flexible, whether it's flexible hours, flexible location, that brings with it unique unique challenges because of the nature of what we do. We have to have the doors open during the day when members want to stop by. We need to be available to, to work together on on crews at the same time. And so how do we can, one, is that really that important to younger people or not really? And then if it is, what are the ways that we can?
1: Well, if you're going to talk about community service and serving the community, uh, you have to talk about flexibility because mm-hmm. sometimes community service happens during the day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's, it's more about, can you get your job done? And then we'll worry about what hours Mm -hmm. and how we get you out of here for community service. But the job ultimately has to get done, but we can get creative with that. And I think we have in a number of cases.
4: And you know, we certainly have limitations being that, um, half of our workforce is a union. Um, we have a great relationship with our union, but it's still, we have a collective bargaining agreement that we do have to abide by. And Mm -hmm. so there's times when your hands are tied, you know, you try to be as innovative and creative as you can to be flexible but um, you know, there's challenges.
2: Yeah, and it definitely differs from, from team to team, group to group. I mean, everybody's job and the requirements are so different. But to answer your, your question specifically, I have a 16-year-old daughter that just took a job for those reasons, flexible schedule with her, her school, and um, it, was, it was good culture. It was a fun, fun place to work, and it has that reputation. Um, and she took, she took a little bit of a pay cut from the job she had. And the reason I tell that story, she's 16. She's gonna, that's the type of person we're gonna be hiring in 10 years mm-hmm. or sooner. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think it obviously goes from, from team to team, what we can and you, know, you gotta work from, from that mission statement, you gotta check the boxes, but it is definitely something that I see with the younger generation, you know, kind of looking more and more, and it's kind of a bigger commodity to them than maybe the older generation. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely hear that from people of my core, in my cohort, you know, and I think it's definitely going to be a very important thing, but even with, you know, with the constraints that we have to work around at Cherryland, you can only be so flexible, but there is still the flexibility within our jobs and our specific positions here to touch on what you said, Jeff, in that we're trusted to do the job that we have to do in the time that we have to do it. And you can kind of go about what you need to do during that day at your own pace and you know, as time allows, so that we still kind of have ownership of what we're doing within the co-op within those constraints that, you know, that we have to work around.
4: And and we did get innovative and creative about the member service group in that we started a rotation where you all can work at home one day a week. And so you're set up at home so that it, you know, appears that you're in the office when you're talking with a member.
0: Yeah. And one of the interesting things that came out of that, that I think over this next 10 years, as we're preparing to hire your daughter, we'll start to have to think about how this interplays with other parts of our, our co-op is, it really forced us in the member services department to, to say what, we've, what are the outcomes we will monitor to determine the effectiveness of this employee regardless of where they're working, which we had never done before. In many ways, we had we had a more traditional output driven, right? Are you here at your desk at this time until this time Mm -hmm. and so it's it's been good because it's forced us to rethink like what does success in your role look like and i think i think there's an opportunity there to kind of take that across other layers of the organization as well so it'll it'll be interesting to watch it play out it also
1: set us up to handle large outages from home Mm -hmm. we now have six ladies who can answer calls at home if we ever get a march 2012 or
0: Mm -hmm.
1: a windstorm like in 15 we're prepared for that so it's it's kind of sometimes has a dual purpose yeah
0: Yep, absolutely.
2: And I think also it kind of broke a a big barrier where it's, we're not in a, we're not in a work environment anymore where one size fits all, you know, you got to take a look at member services individually and see how, how, how they're efficient, they're productive and what more value do they bring to getting the job done, getting the job done, you know, and, and looking at each department individually, I think is, is what, what happened in that situation. And it was a big hurdle to, to jump.
0: Well, we're, we're running out of time, but I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to you all for joining me. I asked, every, I know, I didn't give you, I didn't give the sign. So all you listeners at home, they had no warning that we're now running out of time. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but we did save time for fun facts. We asked everyone to come with a fun fact, as they usually do. So Tony, do you want to kick off the fun facts? Sure.
1: Okay. 900 electric co-ops cross country. I've said that multiple times, but there's 55,000 electric co-ops. And we all share this.
0: 55,000.
1: Uh, 55,000 electric co-op employees. Perfect. Very good. Thrown off because I didn't get the heads up on it. <laughs> time. My, my bad. So 55,000 electric co-op employees across the country, and we all share the same pension and 401k. When you when you read stories about pensions being bad and in trouble, ours is rock solid because it's backed by 55,000 employees, mm-hmm. not just the 56 we have working here.
0: So while paying benefits may not be the only reason we're here. We're awfully glad to know we'll be able to retire successfully. Well, I mean, being a baby
1: boomer, it's, <laughs> it's all you care about <laughs> the horizon isn't there.
0: <laughs> That's an awesome fact.
4: Carrie. You on know, mine, um, we have 58 employees currently and over the last eight years and my Time here, I have hired over half of those employees <gasps> and proud of every
0: single one of them. <laughs> so, there you go. Everyone out there who enjoys how great we are at our jobs, that is a direct legacy of Carrie <laughs> Uh
2: My fun fact I just want to take a 30,000 foot view at kind of the big picture here in, in the progress that I feel we're making, you know, is the American worker and employee, employee, employer. And uh, according to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average productivity per American worker has increased 400% since 1950. In other words, it, it only takes today's American worker 11 hours to do the same job it took 40 hours to do in 1950. That's so crazy. we definitely are moving in the right direction. That's
4: it, awesome. That's
2: things crazy. are changing. Yep.
3: My fun fact is that um, in member services, obviously, things can vary day to day, but um, we can take anywhere from three, 400 calls a day. There are five ladies working on the phones any given day um, trying to take care of those, and we probably don't have a very long wait time. It's, it's often a very rare occurrence if you have to wait on the phone, so we take pride in that.
0: Yeah, that's and I don't, I don't think enough people know how many calls you all take. So mm-hmm. that's that's an awesome fun fact. So mine's a little different, but it's timely. Uh, the state of Michigan is currently going through their budget process, and one of their um, appropriations is $30 million for the um, Skilled Trades Training Fund, which Cherryland re- recently accessed in order to help offset some of the cost of apprenticeship training because we have we have a lot of apprentices right now as we try to build up the next generation of journeyman linemen. But the fun fact is this, of that $30 million, $1.4 million came back to our region, Region 2, and that investment leveraged an additional $14 million in private investment in training, certification, and professional development in our region. So it's very cool. And also, if you're a legislator listening to this, that's your money making money. So please reappropriate $30 million. (laughs) And if you're a
1: student, consider the trades Mm -hmm. in college equally, but... don't discount the trades there's a lot of good jobs there
0: absolutely well thank you again all for joining and uh for helping to make this culture great because it's only as great as those of us who are in it and i feel very lucky to get to work with all of you thank you
2: thank you